When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, this is Catch Wheeler with FTR, a.k.a. one half of the greatest tag team of all time, saying, go right now, savewithconrad.com, and I promise you, you won't regret it. If I could say take advantage of one thing with First Family Mortgage, it is the knowledge that they have, because they have knowledge far beyond just the loan process, and they can help you out with all of that. That's how confident I am of working with these people. Like, I'm going to keep buying, and I'm going to keep going back. Savewithconrad.com. MLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! Right now, Fight Plus, the ultimate digital platform for live sports and entertainment, is offering a free seven-day trial at tryfight.com. Yes, you can access Fight Plus's incredible library full of combat sports, wrestling, and other premium content absolutely free for seven days by going to tryfight.com and the best part you can find them on all major streaming platforms available today so don't waste another second go to tryfight.com that's t-r-y-f-i-t-e.com right now and find out why they are the undisputed champ of live sports and entertainment symbol of excellence in sports entertainment. Hello and welcome to Arn. This is Paul Bromwell, and today I'm joined by the Hall of Famer, the founder of the Four Horsemen, the creator of the Spine Buster, and the man that, despite the tracksuit, moniker, and Glock, has no affiliation with Tony Soprano. He's the enforcer. He's double A. He's Arn Anderson. Arn, happy May to you. This episode drops officially on May the 6th, man. How's it going? White tracksuit mahogany man underneath it that was the method i know i know i've been around you long enough to know you got to make that tan pop baby check uh things are uh things are picking up things are looking up uh i'm having a good time so far and we have a bright future ahead of us i hope you certainly do, Arn. Uh, we had a fun episode last week with Ask Arn Anything, and we had so much fun. There was a lot of discussion at the top of the show because it's you're back on television, and you're not only back on AEW TV, but you're with Wardlow. And so a lot of our listeners and fans of the show had a lot of questions, and so we spent some time on that. But we had so many questions left that you and I talked about it, and we're like, hey, 
we're going to go back to back with Ask Arn Anything because, as you said at the end of the last show, that's what we're here for, right? It's because of the folks that listen to the show each and every week uh, while we do this. And so it just made sense to say, hey, we're going to push back April 1992 to next week, and we're going to have some more Ask Arn. So I appreciate you being willing to do that, and uh, this is going to be fun, man. It's all about the fans, buddy. Whatever they want, we shall provide if we can. There you go. Well, hey, real quick, before we jump into the questions, two reminders, and one of which uh, we mentioned at the end of last week's show, we're going to start it off, and that is, uh, man, I want to remind everybody that rncomic.com is the place to go if you haven't already secured your copy of the autobiography of the man himself, Arn Anderson. It's My Life as Wrestling's Enforcer. And uh, the, the release of this is imminent. I mean, it's this month, I think, May, sometime that it's coming out. They're putting the final touches on this project. Uh, you've told us previously that you never thought you'd be depicted as a superhero, man. But here you are. And uh, we're going to get to see you in all your glory. I mean, they even put a little bit more maybe hey, definition. Hey, hey, hey. I did point to my head for those listening for the hair, okay? See, you telegraphed it. I knew that slider was coming. And 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 listen, I, they 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 did you they did you nice. They did you some justice. That they took some creative liberty, as as they like to say, and I like it. And they give you a little bit more. They leaned you up a little bit. To, I mean, they're doing a nice job with Arn Anderson in this comic book. But aren't they supposed to make you at least look a little better than? That's you That's what comic books do. You're exactly right. I don't want to look like I'm, you know, fixing a train for the Olympia or something. They but do it to God. everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to look like Danny DeVito walking around either. And you shouldn't. Hey, listen, Superman, even all the, the superheroes they do in comic books, they look good in the movies, but never look as good as what they do in comics. And, man, I'm telling you what, they're doing a phenomenal job with you and your story. I can't wait to see it, Arn. Can you believe that you're going to be immortalized in a graphic novel here soon? And Eddie Prather and Amy are also going to be in the comic book. They they paid the amount to be a part of of your story in, in that book. Isn't that cool? She's going to have her grandkids on her lap saying, that's grandma. It's, it's, it's and she's cool. going to be telling the absolute truth. How cool is that? It, it's cool. So, guys, listen, if you haven't gotten your copy or signed up for it yet, check it out now. You can do that by going to arncomic.com and make sure you get your copy as soon as it's ready. Arn, the other thing I want to mention, too, is the horseman uh, jacket, the horseman hats, the horseman T-shirts, uh, all the Arn Anderson merchandise. It's available right now, boxagimmicks.com. But new items are coming to the store regularly. I'm talking we're doing visors, muscle T-shirts. You asked for the gym shorts. We're working on those. But, man, the quality around the product. It just isn't in a, a shirt or jacket with a logo on it. We're talking embroidered merchandise here. Top shelf. And let me tell you, the hats caught on out in uh, L.A. One or two people said, hey, I didn't even notice they were sitting there. And we try to put them, you know, on feature right there by the T-shirts and stuff. And once one or two people bought them, they got gone. Boom. Just like that. A dozen, I mean, a dozen hats. Gone. That's pretty, you know, yeah. just gone. Hour, about an hour and a half. Nice. 
Guys, listen, it is the symbol of excellence, and you can be a proud owner of it. There's only one person that owns the trademark, and that's Arn Anderson, and there's only one official place for you to get it, and you can go to boxofgimmicks.com and help support Arn, the man, the, the creator of the Four Horsemen. And so check it out now. Get your merchandise, support Arn, support the show. Arn, are you ready to jump into more of Ask Arn Anything? I'm a little overwhelmed and flattered that we had so many. We had to make two shows out of it. <laughs> it's, it's, How cool it's awesome. is that? That is cool, cool is man. That? And I got people in the chat right now because, listen, we brought back our ad-free show family and said, hey, we had so much fun with you guys last week. Come back this week, and we're going to have you do this live show again. So they're funneling questions in, too. So we're going to have a good time. We're going to start with poets that don't know it. That's right. That's his handle on Twitter, poets that don't know it. And he says, Arn, you're in a bar, and suddenly Harley Race and Haku square off in a true shoot fight. Who's your money on and why? <clears throat> as legendary as Harley is and as tough a guy as Harley was and all the stories I've heard, that will probably make you 90% effective in the real world. Haku does not come from the real world. Some other planet. Just because of what I've seen in the past. Um, he the man, brother, in the words of Barbarian. One day we're riding down the road making a trip, and I said, Barb, it's just me and you in a car. You know, just between you, I'm just curious. If you, you know, and you and Haku got into it. How'd that turn out? He's dipping. Brother, he the man. It's all I needed. Wow. So even Barbarian, who's a man beast in his own right. Who was inclining 565. I saw it at the time. To you weightlifters out there, that was not on a Smith machine. That was an incline only he was a bad bad man yeah the human vegematic that's what yeah. you call him isn't it that yeah yes that does not demean uh harley in any way i just don't think you could hurt ming mm. i don't think he can be hurt well there you go the legend of haku slash ming lives on Justin Bracken writes, and he said, I apologize if you've answered this, Arm, but what, what did a typical road trip from venue to venue in the mid to late 90s look like for you? Or who were you riding with? What kind of shenanigans did you all get into? Or any fun stories in general about that time period and being on the road? Cheers, guys. That was about the time that I started working in the office um, as far as helping write the show. Uh, and as well as being the road agent for the live events and wrestling in uh, one of the last three matches also. So you're talking about a full dance card? Doing it all. And uh, things had started to pick up. It hadn't flamed up yet with the NWO stuff. But we were running more towns regularly, so the schedule, you know, I might get home a day and a half, maybe two days a week. 
Did you have different friends or different guys you traveled with when you started to kind of turn into that agent role, that writer role, that, that, that kind of backstage, if you will, role? Once I, I started doing the uh, agent stuff, I mean, I had to be there a lot earlier than uh, the talent, probably by an hour. You know, instead of being there an hour before the show, maybe two, maybe two and a half. Now, if the guys wanted to ride with me, I would do all the driving. Had a rent-a-car paid for by the company. So they had a free ride. I had a driver, but they had to get to the arena an hour and a half earlier. Some would weigh that and go, I think I'll just get a car. But I try to travel with my friends. I rode with Bobby. You know, I'd ride with Terry Taylor if he was in the towns. You know, different guys. Uh, travel with Rick some, Kevin Sullivan some. Uh, mostly, you know, my friends at the time. Any good Kevin Sullivan stories on the road with with the, with the Taskmaster? He just has that wild Boston accent, and he's always, if you've ever been around him, he's 10 octaves above what he has to be <laughs> so that everybody hears him in the area. <laughs> and did you guys talk a lot of sports, baseball? I know he, I've heard he's a big baseball fan. He's a genius. Yeah. He can talk to you about anything, really talk to you about sports, dates, and, you know, accomplishments and failures and you name it. Kevin Sullivan's a really a really intelligent guy. Hmm. All right. Well, Nick, let's move on then. Nick Lenz says, Arn, I got a two-part question. What was your reaction to the pop you received from your first AEW debut when you hit Sean Spears with the spine buster? Additionally, how did Sean feel about taking the move from you? 200% gracious. So professional. And I didn't know Sean really. You know, that well, I got to, you know, when he was around it, you know, they moved him up in WWE. I had some live event loops with him, but I, I hadn't known him that long, you know, a year or two, something like that. And uh, he was very, very gracious about it. And I hadn't done one now in how many years prior to that? My God, 20? Mm. You know, there wasn't much call for that you know, when I was doing the producing job at WWE. So it had probably been 20 years since I'd hit one. Some Somewhere in that, maybe maybe 17, something like that. Uh, so I was a little nervous, but the reaction, and the thing is, what, threw a, what really threw a wrench in it, I think, for the, you know, good or bad, was Tully and I did a signing together that that day in Baltimore before the show. And then we came over, and he was in the other, you know, other corner, and when I came down, it was like, what, are, what the hell are they going to do here? Are they going to get back together, or is this a horseman deal, weenie dog somebody? What are they going to do? I don't think they saw me getting involved on Cody's behalf. Yeah. So shock value, too. Uh, he also wants to know what member of the FTR you think resemble you the most in terms of in-ring style and mic skills. Well, that's 
pretty obvious, isn't it? Except uh, with the exception of the hairdo, I guess, which I've still got, you know, some hair going on here. So, so Dax, it is is uh, is what you're saying, and uh, but maybe if he grew his out, he would have a look similar to you, though. Maybe he's just decided just to, huh? Can he grow it out? I, I don't know. I mean, we can you ask, ask him. him. I'm not. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. So, but I, I would agree with you, though. I mean, I think a lot of fans would. It is, it is, it is fairly obvious that you, uh, you and Dax have a lot of similar. Similar qualities. Cash is another. He fits in that mold of guys that, you know, he'll knock several of your teeth out, but you never, you never hear him walking around the locker room. You never hear him barking at anybody. He's not looking in the mirror all day long. He's not one of those guys that, you know, is a pain in the ass to deal with. He's just kind of, you know, it's all business all the time. Now, Dax will tell you exactly what he's thinking. Yeah. No filter. No filter. And uh, like I said, I've said before, you know, a lot of the time he's right. So you, you just can't, without hearing him out, just cut him off and go, well, you know, forget it. I don't want to hear that shit. Right, right. Probably you makes mean- good sense business-wise to hear him out because he's usually got the, the good of the match, of his opponents, of the company in mind, and the fans mostly. I've heard him. I've heard him talk ring psychology. I've heard him talk past wrestling matches, watching and just break things down. And it's he is an impressive individual, man. He is so into the business and the knowledge of the business and the history of the business. He's a lot of fun to listen to. Yeah, he sure is. He's a pro. Yeah. Uh, our resident financial advisor and dear close personal friend of the show, Lenny Bakken, he wants to know, can Arn share any stories or impressions he got from Greg Gagne? I believe Gagne was working for WCW behind the scenes a bit in the early 90s. I can't. I, was, uh, I can't do a Greg, you know, imitation because it was any anything that we dared to do as far as interaction, was always all business all the time. So I was never in a, uh, you know, we didn't go out drinking or anything like that. You know, we weren't together a lot backstage. Um, what was your overall impression of him, though, as a, as a, as a person? Well, he grew up in the business. I never yeah. had a problem with, with Greg whatsoever. Um, uh, I just didn't have that much dealings with him uh, because I was still wrestling at the time, and there was, you know, it was like one story I can just, and it's not really even a story. Was I wrestled Stephen Regal for the TV title, and it was in Albany at a pay per view, or it was the Clash of Champions. I think it was a pay per view, Albany, Georgia. So I come in. You know, during the afternoon, had to be a pay-per-view because I came in hours before, you know, the start time. So it had to be a a pay-per-view. And he comes up to me as I walk in the back door. He must have been waiting on me, and he was the agent for the match. He said, there you are, like I was late or something, you know. And maybe he didn't mean it that way. He says, you know, you and Regal, 
30 minutes. Well, it just so happened I had drank a few cervezas the night before. I had probably ate what was not really good food. I didn't feel the best when I got to the building, but I wasn't expecting on wrestling Steve Regal or fighting Steve Regal, probably more accurate, for 30 minutes. So I said, okay, I'll be back in about an hour and a half. He said, where are you going? I said, I got to go to the gym. I got to go sweat this shit out because <laughs> I knew I was going to be in for a tough night. And uh, it worked out well. The match went well. Everything came off without a hitch. But that's really the only story. You know, I know that Mike Graham used to terrorize him all the time. But they did go out drinking, you know. Mike, Mike Graham was a terrorist, he knew he could get to you, get up under your skin, or he had these little stubby hands with these stubby fingers. He'd come up, poke Greg in the chest, and it would infuriate him. Well, there you it's go. That's all I got. It's all yeah. I got. No, that's good. That's good. That's something. And uh, Lenny, great question. Thanks. Jeremy Priest is up next. He wants to know in your career, was there a match you had? that didn't get the proper recognition it deserved. Seems like everyone has that one that they wish got the credit it deserved, but it just didn't. So what about you, Arn? Is there one that you were like, man, I felt like that that was a good one. It was a payoff to a good story. I don't know. Anything that sticks out in your mind that maybe doesn't stick out with everybody mm. else. And I'm, I'm fine with this in one respect, and it's, it's only respect that matters. When Steamboat came back to be uh, Dustin's partner, Savannah, he came back with a dragon head yeah. and it was a secret and everything. Yeah. I enjoyed that match about as much as anyone I've ever been in. Larry worked his ass off. That was He knew it was a special night. It was The fans were beside themselves. I'd never worked with Icky Steamboat. It was a surprise, total surprise. All the elements were there. Had a title switch, everything was great, but it was like you just felt like when you came back through the curtain, it really wasn't. Hey, you you four guys tore the joint down. There was, and I'm talking about from management. It was. I don't know if they fully or truly understood that that was four people that made that happen, not two. You know, yeah. and, and and I wasn't disappointed in the reaction, or I don't even remember what it was. I just don't remember anybody coming up to me and going, "Hey, you guys got that match over. You got Steamboat over." And you get past that. The longer you're in the career, you know, in this business, you don't have to have your ass padded for everything. But that was one that was kind of special, and you would have just hoped that. You know, collectively, the boys were all by the curtain when we came back through the curtain, and, you know, they were great. And that's the only recognition I needed, really. But it would have been nice to to gotten it from some of the higher-ups. And I don't even know who they would have been. I don't even remember who was in charge at that time. Well, now, and too, as we go back and uh, and watch it and see the impact that it had and that it was as we're watching your career, we realize kind of how important that was, his comeback. And the fact that you're in that match and how fun it was and, you know, how well put together that match was. So, It was a collective four-man effort, 
really was. Plus the referee. Can't discount the referee. Oh, they're, yeah. they're invisible and you don't think about them, but they're important. Hey, guys, Eric Bischoff here. and just want to call a quick timeout. I want to tell your listeners about what I've been telling everybody at over at 83 Weeks quite a while now about all the cool things that are happening over at AdFreeShows.com. An all-new edition of The Insiders is here as Conrad welcomes David Zaudi, the man behind so many iconic video packages WWF fans grew up on, including one that left Vince in tears. You got it. And Conrad, I swear, I walked outside the studio and Vince was sitting down on the concrete floor, crying hysterically, just saying thank you. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. I went up to the whole cabin. He says, good job. Can't wait to see it. 15 minutes later in the stairwell, Vince is still sitting down in a different spot now, crying, saying thank you. Thank you. Jim Johnston created the soundtrack for generations of WWE fans with some of the most iconic themes in history. Jim sits down with Conrad to take us behind some of those classic themes, including The Ultimate Warrior. And then I recorded that. And then just over that, you're just doing... You know, it's so simple, but that's what felt like him. That's just a small taste of what we've got waiting for you with four levels to choose from. See for yourself why ad-free shows is the best value in wrestling today. Sign up now at adfreeshows.com. Scott Golden is up next, Arn. He says, uh, the Brainbusters were my all-time favorite team. Was there ever any talk of a Brainbusters Heart Foundation program ever discussed in the summer of 1989 before or after that SummerSlam match? Meant to be a one-off, and that's what it was, was a one-off. Yeah, didn't hear anything else about it. Hmm. I mean, they, they were pushing us hard. I mean, I, you know, we got a win that night, which was, was a big deal for us, and we were just moving. You know, we're moving up the ladder, which I was fine with, you know. What could we have worked a little program? We could have always went back with those guys after demolition, after taking the titles. We could have always doubled back to the Hart Foundation. Yeah, or at least swapped out some of that bushwhacker time with the Hart Foundation. God bless him. We lost one. That's right. That's right. I I don't know if you saw it or not, but he. the st- I think the, l- the last story I saw, the- there was an issue with him travel and didn't have his blood pressure medicine with him. That led to the, the issue. So such an unfortunate situation. But, uh, yeah, prayers absolutely go out to, to the- his family and the Bushwhackers for sure. Yes. That-, that whole deal. So, uh, listen, first-time caller to the Arn Show, John McGrath, writes, Strange question. Oh, we love strange here. But I always wondered... If you knew of any wrestlers who wore a cup slash jock strap, I never inquired. <laughs> you mean you didn't go around and do a cup check? No pecker check in here, <laughs> no Jack. No pecker checking. <laughs> give a shit if you wear a lampshade underneath the tights. None of my business. <laughs> Oh, man, that's a good one. That was a good one. A lampshade. Woo! Oh. Oh. Sorry, John. Uh, Arn doesn't know that one, but bring the weird. We're here for it, and if you have another one, we'll see if we can help you there. Speaking of weird, up next, big fan of the show, Eddie Prather. 
He says, can you name some wrestlers that you never teamed with, but you would have loved to? Ted DiBiase, Kurt Henning. Um, those two stand out. Yeah. Good, good two right there. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I ever had a tag match as a partner with Paul Orndorff. I can't recall that. The good news is we have like some Arn Anderson super fans that are still with us in the chat. So guys, let us know if you can think of a time where Arn tagged with Paul Orndorff. If so, throw it in the chat. And we'll even even like once or one offs or two offs. I can't offs remember or either. Mm mm. All right, so there you go. Ted DiBiase and Kurt Henning are uh, are two. The professor, Drew Landry, is back, and he says, since you worked for the WWE, you saw the Becky-Charlotte rivalry develop firsthand. Do you believe that they are each other's best opponents? Is there another matchup for either of these ladies that you think uh, would give that distinction? So let's start there. Uh, you know, you've seen them kind of grow up in the business. Obviously, Charlotte refers to you as Uncle Orn. And uh, you've seen uh, them kind of bring out the best in each other. Is there another matchup for either of these ladies that you you think would have, you know, that distinction or, or really just be on that level? Well, I saw Sasha back when um, they all came up, you know, at kind of at the same time, the four horsewomen thing. Yes. Um. Bailey, Sasha, Bailey, Charlotte. Yeah, yeah. Sasha was good in that mix. I saw her in singles and tags. and uh, Sometimes when there's, you know, and, and I know for a fact that Ashley and Becky were best of friends when they were going through the system, when they started at the school and all that, and very supportive. But this is, uh, when you get to the show, it's competitive. And if you don't want the top slot, you should probably find something else to do. You just got to know how hard and the right way to push for that spot. You do it through work rate and dependability and, you know, all those things, being a good employee and work your ass off and be creative and come bring something to the table, you know, that they haven't seen before, be original. And I think... You know, they brought that out in each other. There's there's uh, something about competitiveness that even though it's your best friend, it brings out a little animosity. Maybe there was that one time you felt like they slighted you in a conversation or something that you never forgot, and you bring that to the match with you. It's like you dig it out back from the yeah. catacombs of your mind and go, well, shit, I'm going to turn it up right here. You know, it's, it's a weird thing. But sometimes you can have the best matches in the world from pe with people that you completely, totally dislike because it brings out the best in you. And that doesn't mean you go take cheap shots and all that. It's just... You're dialed in. You're focused at a different level. Well said. 
I get it, man. I can imagine, but you just put your own self in that situation and you can imagine if you have something going on there, it's going to be a different level with you and that opponent. He, Drew also wants to know, can you share your thoughts on Sasha Banks debuting for New Japan and doing her thing now as Mercedes Monet? Congratulations to her. It's always, I love to see any talent that I've been in, in the business with or just seen from afar uh, do well outside of just the one WWE vacuum. You know, we all get it in our minds that, that uh, of course, it's the biggest, most successful company, no doubt. Probably going to even grow even more with the merger that it's just capsulated. Um, but there is life outside of that company and she has went over and kicked the door down in Japan you know that's not to just go over there by yourself and be in that environment if you've never been over there it's a whole different mentality you know and uh, she had immediate success she's done well in the movies she has shown that there's life outside of WWE and I'm happy for her for that I, uh, I, we haven't talked about this on the show, and I think now is just as good as time of any. How about the big announcement, AEW going to Wembley Stadium in August? My goodness, Arn. Chance to really kick some ass. Even if you fill up half of that stadium, that's a huge success. We're shooting for all of it. Fill it up, every seat. You know, there's a lot of lot of pluses. Never been there before. I'm a big fan of first time. You only get one chance to be a first time something. And uh, those fans over there are incredible. So very excited about it. And you know what's cool now is all of a sudden we may, if your guy is on the card, you might be walking that long, long aisle of Wembley Stadium. Would you ever think that this could happen at this point in your career? I mean, that's just amazing no. to think about. No, my my uh, my time in AEW, you know, has been even though it's been sporadic, has been it's been great for me. It just has allowed me to just go back and be in control of my own self and my own character and have fun in the business and do some things that I'm on board with that I like to do, some that are my ideas, you know, and be creative again. One last time, who would have thunk it at my age, you mm. know? I, it's not lost on me how blessed I am and how fortunate I am, and it is it is a blessing. Ah, so cool. We'll keep moving. Uh, Bryant Haremza says, uh, this is a follow-up to our July 1991 show. He said, uh, this month they do War Games matches on the house show loops. Do you think War Games matches thrown together mean as much to the fans, or they need to be built up between two rival groups? Uh, so we this is going back to uh, July show. So what do you think about that overall, your take on the War Games? You should never normalize something like War Games, which was special. Why, why make it less than what it is? It should be built to the main event of a pay-per-view over a, at least a four-month period, in my opinion. needs to be the biggest thing that you can put together over the hottest acts that you have at the time. Mm. 
Well said. Couldn't agree more. Uh, additionally, Brian asked, when it comes to celebrities having matches, how much do you want to limit the celebrities' work in the match? Also, which celebrities have surprised you with their work in the ring? Hmm. Well, Kevin Federline and Cena was not a Matt Classic. No. Kevin Federline is not a wrestler. He's Britney Spears' ex-husband. At the time, current right. husband, correct? That's right. That was his claim to fame. That's what you were getting in the in the package, we thought. So I've never been a big fan of having celebrities come out and uh, prevail over the guys. Uh, just doesn't seem right to me. Uh, I can see if you're going to have, you know, an older, let's just say it's one of the golden girls and you got her out there and one of the guys who's, who's got heat anyway and pops off and gets smacked in the face. That I like. That's good. That's entertaining. But males that aren't athletes but they're actors and prevail over our guys, I've never been a big fan over that. Is there anybody that has stood out that you thought, man, that was that was actually pretty good, or whatever their involvement it was with the storyline? Uh, give me some examples. Well, I think you know, and and now I don't even know that you even look at this guy, and this is more recent. Not that not that you're with him, but you know, you look at a guy like Logan Paul and what he's kind of done the last few pay per view matches with Seth Rollins, and, and yeah. So, yeah, yeah, he's done a good job. Yeah, you know, he really has. He's proven to be very athletic and he did some good stuff with Seth anytime Mike Tyson's around it's cool for me yeah yeah he's always been fun and they know how it seems like he everybody uses him well like right they find a good role for him you don't want him to get uncomfortable <laughs> you got that right what would you like to do champ yeah uh, uh, Brian Haremza said great now I wish the Golden Girls would have had a match on Raw so there you go I love the live chat <laughs> A wrestling historian asked, was Sheamus winning the WWE Championship from John Cena at TLC 2009 an accident or was it supposed to happen? The finish looked botched with Sheamus tumbling off the ring post. Thanks in advance. Uh, no, it was supposed to go down. It was supposed to be a little cleaner than that. But uh, Sheamus worked hard. He, you know, he came aboard and he's got that bulldozer style you know about him he's stiff as a board and uh very very solid in his work very believable incredible he worked his way up and he got rewarded that's the way it's supposed to be our next uh, question arn we uh, is from bill and he says hey arn the bw heel turn on luger was a masterpiece in storytelling what do you remember about that angle and do you know if barry enjoyed being a horseman thank you so much yes he did he got it because, you know, it allowed him to have more interview time. Barry's actually a baby face. He actually was not a heel at heart, but he gave him a chance to expand and visit a character that he hadn't done before. And uh, his work was so good, it covered everything else. Um, it was, the timing of it was, was awesome, really was. And it... Uh, no one expected it. No one saw it coming. And uh, 
those are always the good ones. Mm. So good. Brian uh, has a question. He says, hey, Arn, did you ever consider following in your grandfather's footsteps and becoming a barber? As a grandson of a lifetime barber, I get asked this question often. So, Arn, did you ever think about uh, becoming a, a barber? Arn the Barber Anderson. Well, obviously, somebody else cultivated the barber gimmick. <laughs> <laughs> but what about in real life? Did you ever think about Not that? Not at 275 a haircut. <laughs> Money wasn't right for Arn. And all of, even as a kid, I looked, he had it written down. How much was a shave? How much was a haircut? Was even at my young age and two seventy five was a little bit of money back then. I think I was uh, striving to do a little better now. Not that he doesn't have my ultimate respect, and he always had a shop full of men, men's men, policemen. Uh, firemen, carpenters, plumbers, you know, every morning before they go to work, he would open up like about 5.30 and guys would get their hair cut. Saturday, it was sold out all day long. I don't know. He made a pop on Saturdays. Uh, but I just, much as I loved him, respected him more than any man ever, had a little more ambition on the financial side than that. Well, Bryant Harems was disappointed because he said he would have loved to see you try to do that Brutus the Beefcake strut if you would have assumed the gimmick of the barber. So, Yeah, as he knows, come on now, I don't have a lot of finesse. Strutting in a cotton? That's not Arn Anderson? Bull in the china shop, more <laughs> like it. Well, Arn, speaking of uh, being a bull in the china shop, it's that time of the show that we like to tell our listeners how they could become a bull in the china shop, and that china shop being the bedroom. That's right. Oh. We're here to talk about Blue Chew because it's changing lives worldwide. And uh, if you're not on it, boys, this is the time to get it. And we're still waiting to hear from the ladies how it works for them. We haven't got any feedback yet. So, ladies, you know who you are. You need to go to bluechew.com forward slash arn and try that out. We want to we want to know how it works. But for all our listeners, all of you listening right now, check it out, bluechew.com forward slash arn. It's an online prescription service. No visits to the doctor. No awkward conversations. You don't have to wait in line. No weird eye contact where you want to look back down and you get all red in the face. There's none of that weird stuff. No, it's all done online, and they're here to help you with your gimmick. Yes, we talk about box of gimmicks. That's a whole different box. This is a different gimmick we're here to help you with. It's the gimmick that will make your eyes roll in the back of your head. It's bluechew.com. And Arn, it's simple. All they got to do is go to bluechew.com, my friend. You either want to return to 25 years old or you don't because that's about what happens. Uh, I'd love to go. The ladies all get together about once every two weeks and go have lunch, you know, and God knows what they do, all the neighborhood ladies. I'd love to melt down about 25 blue chews and put it in the ice water and get them all amped up and have them come back to the neighborhood at the same time. Could you imagine? 
Uh, if it if it had that effect on them, no, I couldn't, Arn. <laughs> and to your point, this is like Bluetooth is like our version of the Fountain of Youth. I mean, it's the only thing that'll really give you that. You know, when you think about you've lost that love and feeling. Oh, it ain't gone, gone, gone. No, whoa, whoa. It's bluechew.com time. You know what I'm saying? Singing needs a little work, Paul. <laughs> I wasn't trying. But yes, you're right. No more singing for me. Uh, okay. I'll, Guys, accept, if you, I'll accept that. If you don't want to swallow pills, you can chew them, just like when you were a kid with the Flintstone vitamins. And we know there's lots of reasons why you can't perform. There could be anxiety. There could be just stress in your life. We're all working hard, trying to provide and do our things. we got stress and pressure. And when it's time for you to go to that bedroom scene, and it's uh, time for you to get that rise in your Levi's, and it just ain't cooperating like it used to, that's where Blue Chew kicks in. So check it out. Go to BlueChew.com. Shipping is just $5. That's it when you use promo code ARN. So check it out, bluechew.com, promo code ARN, and you receive your first month free. That's bluechew.com, and visit them for more safety info and all the details. ARN, we're big proponents of bluechew, isn't that right? Yes, sir. The one thing that you can't fix, I mean, anxiety, you can get medication for other, you know, issues that you may have in your life. One thing you can't do is turn the clock back. Once you're old, you're old. This can give you some relief. You don't right. have to accept I'm old. Right, right. Not in this case. Not in this case. All right. Arn, listen. Bobby KF5GTX. That's right. That was his call symbol when he was on the radio, his handle. Not only is he in the chat saying that Lampshade should be a new T-shirt for our show, but he also is up for a question. He wants to know, what was your first car? 63 Buick LeSabre that I had to carry because it had a leak in the radiator. I had to carry two gallons of water just to get me to work, which was about eight, nine miles away. Then I would go in once I get to work, fill up two more gallons and put it in my floorboard for the trip home. It was a lump of shit. I feel like we've talked about this before. Yeah. I think this question came up, but yeah, you, uh, cause I Googled it to look at it. So I, that might've been a missed one before, but I remember you telling me how shitty it was. It was sitting in somebody's backyard. I mean, it ran, but it, like I said, it was the damage to the radiator. And I guess whatever else was the matter with it besides just being old and I guess rusty, um, it had been sitting in somebody's yard. My grandfather, you know, was asking around, you know, he had all those guys. He, you know, my, my grandson needs his first car. What, you know, you guys got any ideas? And the guy said, well, I got one that's my brother-in-law's or something sitting in the back. And it literally got me back and forth um, to my first job, which was loading ice cream trucks. And that didn't last very long. And once that that job kind of played out, I traded that car for a 185 Suzuki motorcycle. Yes. You did the motorcycle thing. 
Yep, and that got me to school and got me to my next part-time job, which was stacking uh, It was stacking furniture at a place where they actually built it from, from the ground floor up. And uh, my job was, once it was assembled and before they started staining it, was picking it up and putting it on a hook. Hey, let's get the big guy over there. He'll be perfect for this job. You've had some jobs where you're really busting your ass, loading ice cream trucks, piling furniture. I mean, what do you pushing what? We're pushing eight inch CVC water pipe in a ditch. Ugh. Running, uh, yeah, running a backhoe, driving dump trucks, working at rock crushers. I had every shitty job you could imagine. Sheesh. Yes. So thank God for the wrestling business. Well, then I finally got a good job. I was cutting meat. They started me out cutting meat in the grocery store, and I started at the bottom, grinding ground beef. I worked up to putting chicken in, uh, you know, the the gimmicks and learned how to weigh it and wrap it and all that shit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I worked my way up to cutting beef and assistant market manager. You were, you were a butcher. I was a certified butcher, and that paid pretty good money for Rome, Georgia. Problem is, I did not aspire to be a butcher. I wanted to be a wrestler. I worked for a grocery store chain, Arn, one of my first jobs out of high school, and started the bagging gimmick, and went to the then I then I did the checker, and then I became a receiver in the back. You know, the guy that lets everybody in, all the vendors. The and trucks. They, yeah, they started. Did you have to unload them? Had to unload them. Pallet track, forklift, whole nine yards. Get them in there. And uh, they started talking to me, hey, if you want a career here, uh, we think you'd be great in the meat department and learn how to be, a, you know, cut meat. And I was, but I had, I had started to think about transitioning out uh, at that point. So it's funny when I hear you talk about, you know, being a meat cutter at a grocery store. Well, I had to do the same thing. I had to go and, but we had a security guard that was checking off the boxes, but I was okay. having to, to bring them in the cooler, yeah. take them off the pallet. Yep. Stack them up, segregate them. This is three o'clock in the morning, and those frozen, cold yeah, ass ice meat, boxes. Yeah. Hands so cold, blue. Yeah. Hard job standing on cement, cutting pork loins, beef mm. loins. Yeah. But you know what you're looking for now when you go to the grocery store. You're looking for that. You know that. Well -cut I will meat. argue with you. One of the like Longhorn. If you tell me that's a nine ounce fillet and it's uh, it's not it's seven, I can see. Argue with you. That's right. You took that with you. I love it. See the one on my boys' plates. See that's nine. You said I was getting a nine, but that's a seven. See the difference in those two. Listen, that produce code for that red delicious apple. It's four zero one five. And those bananas, that's 4011. I mean, you know, this is stuff that just sticks with you the rest of your life. The grocery we've got, store We've experience. got like a kinship and don't even know it. <laughs> and don't even know it, man. Oh, good stuff. All right, back to, back to our listeners. Tony Flowers wrote the following. He said, we hear stories about stiff wrestlers like Vader. And he's talking about throwing punches. He ain't talking blue chew here. He said, many times they've injured people. Why would someone being stiff ever be allowed if it can potentially hurt the money-making talent? I get that it makes it look real, but so many wrestlers accomplish the same realness without ever resorting to being stiff. Why tolerate it at all as a company is the risk-reward the risk seems way off there. 
it was it was few and far between guys that were that way because you know what guys wouldn't work with them they refused to work with them they would tell the booker guys dangerous i don't want to work with them now once you've said that to your boss and he puts you with that guy anyway and that guy does injure you now we got some liability so guys that were stiff night after night vader never touched me looked like he was and he was banging me around a little bit but he never hurt me mm. so some guys he did you know i think i had his respect and uh I mean, he bounced me around, bumped me around, but, you know, that thing where he would clubber a guy in, in the, the corner, corner, Yeah. some guys got it worse than others. It looked bad for everybody, but... Uh, he knew so what there, he was doing, and he knew who he was laying it on and who he wasn't. Yeah, there wasn't a lot of guys that were, were stiff, stiff. I mean, Ronnie Garvin would stretch you a little bit, but that's okay. And it was solid, but it wasn't dangerous. Dangerous guys in this business didn't last because pretty much the locker room would revolt against them. Oh, I bet. Uh, let's keep going here. Nick Lenz is up next. How good of a wrestler is Bobby Eaton's son? Uh, I've never seen him wrestle. I ha yeah, and I didn't, I didn't realize that he was wrestling. So I didn't know go. that was a thing. I didn't either. So, Nick, you might you have uh, more knowledge than we do, but I, I did not realize that. He uh, also asked, Arn, do you remember the first time that you met Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone, the first time you met those guys? Jim Ross I must have met in, um, when I worked for Bill Watts, but I don't remember it. He wasn't on the announce team yet. So I might have got in and out of there and not met him for Bill Watts. I don't remember it. Because Boyd Pierce was the announcer, and uh, pretty sure Jr. had not started that yet. So I would have met Tony, probably first TV in 85, uh, March, I think, 5th of 85, my first TV taping with Crockett. That's where I would have met Shivani, and probably Jr. when he came to WCW. Or okay. Would that be right? Right yeah. time frame? I think so. Or was he with Jim Crockett? Uh, Jim Ross came over at the UW when UWF was purchased by uh, Jim Crockett. So that was 87. So it would have been somewhere in that time frame. Yeah. Yeah. Late 87, early 88 time frame. Okay. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Brad Stanton wants to know what's, when's, what's the next Horseman merch drop? Well, hey. We uh, mentioned at the top of the show, we hope we're going to get some uh, some gym shorts out. Uh, we're also working on some of those uh, visor hats, so more to come. Uh, and we're looking forward to some ideas. If you guys have some ideas on yes. how we can use some of that stuff, let us know. We're here for you. So uh, if there's some things that you'd love to see that logo on, tell us. Tweet us, whatever the case may be, and we'll, uh, we'll work with our, our partners to get it set up. So good question, Brad. The goal to rehash in this horseman gear at all, and the reason I worked so hard to, to get that trademark was a lot of people, you, when you, I would see them over the years, they would always go back to the horseman era. Hey, I loved you. You were part of my childhood. All this stuff. Those three years with Jim Crockett promotions covered a lot of miles. A lot of people remembered it, and a lot of people wanted 
some of the nostalgia. They'd show up with one of those original sweatshirts or T-shirts. You know, I wish we could get this stuff somewhere. I found this online somewhere or something. So I just tried to uh, get it and put you in a position to order it if that's what you want. So if there's something you can think of that we hadn't thought of, please. This, again, is, is about you guys. Who knows? We may see Arn backstage in a promo or ramp, walking down the rampway sometime on TV soon with a Four Horsemen uh, logo product on. You never know. So there you, you go. never know. Uh, it's there's going to be one more ride, maybe. Yeah. And I may not be alive when it happens, but Brock yeah. will have the trademark, and you never know. It might be his call. Who knows? Lenny Bakken's back. He said, did Sergeant Buddy Lee Parker ever issue a citation in the dressing room to anyone? Maybe for impersonating a wrestler. <laughs> no, but he'd light you up in the ring. <laughs> he was snug. Yeah, talking about stiff, right? Buddy, well, I don't say stiff. Stiffs are a little borderline reckless, but snug is, okay. brother, he would club you. We called it clubbering. We stole from Dusty. Clubbering. Yeah, boy, he would clubber you, that's for sure. He made you respect the business. Big uh, big Extra's back. He's the one who asked about your meal last week, your Thanksgiving meal. He has another food question, then a wrestling question. His food question is, uh, you've visited Philadelphia many times. We all know you're not a fan of cheese on your burger, but please tell me you've had a famous Philly cheesesteak, Whiz with Onions. I have, and I asked him to add mushrooms. And no cheese. <gasps> May little mayo. No cheese on the cheesesteak. Just a little mayo, yeah. Just give me a steak Onions, sandwich. mushrooms, a little mayo. That's the way I, we got We got a place down the road. It's a sandwich shop that has really good Philly cheesesteaks. And uh, that's the way I get it there. Hmm. So there you go, big extra. No whiz, no cheese for, uh, for Arn Anderson. He said, your friendship with Bobby Eaton is well-documented and runs deep. Were you close friends with Stan Lane as well? Uh, not as much as, as Bobby, just because Stan was single. He had led a single guy's life. Uh, get along with him fine in the locker room and all that stuff. You know, He was a funny guy. He was a witty guy. So Drew Landry, the professor, is up next. He said, what did you think of Goldberg and WCW? Now, Goldberg's made some headlines recently because he's a free agent. He's moved off his WWE contract, no longer under contract, and there's been speculation where could he pop up next and, what, and, and so forth. But I got to ask, what did you think of him in his, during his WCW tenure? Well, I enjoyed watching the whole phenomenon there for every step of it from day one till till the last day and uh, he was built like a superhero and the entire company got on board and he went out and he beat somebody every single television in four or five minutes and he got red hot and I would suggest when business was hot, you needed somebody to, at least in theory, slow down the NWO or put a stop to some of their shenanigans. And he was the best chance WCW had. The story was great. He was uh, 
and he looked like a beast. You know, his his offense was like a beast. Um, he was a he was a superhero, and he was the hope for WCW for those fans of, that were left. You know, um, funny. I just saw him, and uh, and I hadn't seen Bill in years and years and years and years. Um, but I was with him, you know, and I was helping him, and I was advising him, and I was his agent slash producer for a lot of those matches. And uh, he just he came up to Brock and I, and it, you know, he came up and he uh, hugged my neck and just said, "I just want you to know, you know, I couldn't have done it without you." Mm. Now, how long ago was this, Arn? WrestleCon. Okay. LA. So this year. Nice. Yeah. And I wasn't expecting that. And it just kind of, he was just kind of appeared. He was right there and he just makes you feel good. I'm sure it does. That's nah, cool. You Thank know, you. and I could yeah. tell he was being sincere. That's um, nah, good. I'm glad hmm. you shared that with us. Never know the impact that you make on people, and, and you live in, and you work in an industry where it's running and gunning. You don't see each other. It's here, or there, moving so quick that it's just. I'm sure those moments, those moments and times, of mean so much. Well, the, when you sort through the ones that are real and are just because you're sharing the same space, and you have to, you know, at least be cordial, and then there's the the ones that are real and though makes you feel good it really That's does because we it's, it's tough business it is it can be a very tough business and uh it's nice to see that that some things outlast just the negatives you know don't focus on the negatives and focus on the positives and that was uh that kind of made my weekend Ah, it's great. Thank you for sharing that. Arn, we just have a few more questions and, uh, and we'll wrap this one up. Brian Fuller wants to know, since you were an honorary Armstrong from your early days in the business, what was your first impression or first funny story of Brian Armstrong? He, he must've only been a kid when you met him at his house. I called him long and lean. We were in and out of his mom and dad's house all the time. Scott and I and Brad and I, you know, just popping in and out and We'd go visit with Bob on like on an off day on a on a Sunday if he was laying in his backyard tanning. We would on our way to go to the beach or the gym or something. We'd stop out back and you know say hello and all that stuff. His family was so good to me. His mom, such a wonderful lady, made me feel like one of the kids, one of her kids, and uh, it was just a it was a real departure from the wrestling business for just to go over there and just eat dinner or something. Just, uh, and Bob gave me my first break in the business by using me for the three weeks that he did and got me booked for Bill Watts. So I was forgiven forever and will be forever uh, beholding to him for that. You never forget guys that, that didn't have to do anything for you, but he did and, uh, much appreciated. We have a, a question that I want to ask here. I want to make sure I got to it. Heather and Michael Mixon, uh, they're in the chat here. And uh, they said, if you had the pencil and could put Brock in a current storyline, 
where would you put him? Hmm. You get to pick any any storyline, anything that you want, and you can put Brock wherever you want. Um. Well, that's that's. I don't know. <laughs> that's that's a good question. That's a tough question and a good question. Um. You know what? I don't have an answer for that. Yeah, that's that's tough. Um, Would it be tag or singles? I don't know that either. Okay. It's uh, it's kind of hard to say at the you know he's at this level that that he's at, and uh, each time that. Uh, he has another match with somebody that's that's better than him. He gets this much better, and you know he's at a point where he's you know he's starting to gain confidence. And uh, as far from from an athletic standpoint, he's he's picking it up too. It's just I just love to whoever he, whoever or whatever the situation is that he gets a chance to work some matches and work a program to where it has some type of personal issue to a it. A story, yes. To where it has a story. He's able to do some, do some promos about it every week and build it over a three- or four-month time so that he can see how the business is supposed to be and how you build an angle to where it ends up drawing some money. So, just don't, so it would be don't give him a match. Give him something he can sink his teeth into storyline-wise that has a build and, and tell. yeah, I like it. Yeah, I mean, because stories and personal issues are the ones that interest the audience. It's a, it is a soap opera, and when it's done well and you cut them off just at that, when they think they're going to get the payoff and you cut them off just short of that and leave the audience wanting more, that's how you draw money. All right, two questions, and then we're out of here. We're going to wrap up. Bryant Haremza says, after Arn retired from the ring, did he help down at the power plant at all? No. Okay. That's straightforward one for you there, Bryant. Gavin, and we're going to end this on a food question, believe it or not. He writes, help settle a culinary debate between myself and a coworker. When it comes to eggs, I'm a salt and pepper guy. Boiled, scrambled, or fried, that's all I'll add to the equation. While at breakfast with a coworker, he added cheese and ketchup to his scrambled eggs, and he said he also throws hot sauce, garlic salt, or maple syrup on his eggs, and insists I'm crazy for having no interest in doing the same. What say you? Who's out of bounds here? Eggs are pretty flexible. What's your what is your ultimate way of eating eggs, Arn? How do you like, like to eat your eggs? Uh, soft scrambled. Okay. Um, but I like over medium and believe it or not, I was introduced to a hamburger for breakfast with a fried egg on top. That's good. I've, yeah, it was good. So it's pretty flexible. I do agree with the pepper. I don't use much salt on the food for, um, tubby shit as it is. I don't need to add any more salt to my diet, Right. but I do eat pepper and uh, over medium i love i tell you what i really like is a egg white omelet no Salt, cheese though in your omelets right no cheese egg okay. whites not eggs uh 
about six egg whites, mushrooms, onions, and if I can get a little uh, sausage or bacon scrambled up in there. Okay. All right. Sausage, onions, mushrooms, a little bacon. All right. Those, yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. There you go. Egg whites, much lighter, much lighter. A lot of all protein. So there you go. Listen, mm -hmm. Arn, this was a lot of fun. I believe we are caught up on our Ask Arn Anything. And I want to thank all of you who submitted all kinds of great questions, wrestling and food and and all kinds of different topics. I love, that's why I love this. You get to know Arn in different ways, a variety of ways, get his opinion on things. And uh, man, we had a lot of fun here. But hey, we're not done. We're coming back. It's April 1992 next week. Vader injures Sting. You and Bobby continue to fend off the Steiner brothers. We got Nikita Koloff, one of my all-time favorites from back in the day. He's going to join Sting's allies. And we're building to Wrestle War 1992. It's going to be Sting Squadron versus the Dangerous Alliance. And the War Games, the match beyond. So lots of fun there. Uh, but Arn, again, I want to make sure everyone is familiar with ArnLinks.com. That's the one-stop shop, ArnLinks.com, where you're going to find all the links to everything that we offer here on the show, whether it's past episodes in the show archives. Our social media pages are there. You're also going to find the link to that Four Horsemen and the Arn Show store and YouTube. We talk about YouTube. This is where you can watch us live. You can subscribe, like, and turn on those notifications. It helps us out tremendously. And so we hope you're enjoying our YouTube page. Dominic D'Angelo does a lot of hard work over there, clipping up a lot of the, the clips that you see, so we can't do it without him. Uh, but Arn, man, that's the place to check us out. And, and I'll tell you what, Marcus's brother's right there helping us too with the social media, and those guys just do a great job with us. So check it out. Also, you can get the box of gimmicks com to find all that merch that we've talked about, whether it's the Horseman merch or the Arn Show merch. Stay tuned to boxofgimmicks.com. We appreciate all your support. It feels like we're constantly making you aware of it, but I want to say thank you for all of you that are supporting the show that way. And Arn, I know you feel the same way. Yes, sir. Listen, guys, also, if you want to advertise with us, you can do that. All you got to do is go to advertisewithrn.com right now, and we have a super targeted audience, that 25 to 54-year-old uh, male demographic, and there's no better place to advertise than right here on the Arn Show. You've heard us do it for so many other ads and companies, and there's a reason for that. So check it out, advertisewithrn.com, and find out what it's all about. And then ad-free shows. We can't get out of here without talking about it. We have our faithful listeners. They're all still here for Ask Arn Anything Part 2 this week. You guys have been great in the chat. Thank you so much, Amy Vaughn and Brian Haremza, Coach Rosie, Eddie Prather, all of you that have been here, Bobby, and, and so many others. Couldn't name you all, but I want to thank you all for being here and joining us with that live experience. You can only find it at adfreeshows.com. So take advantage of the opportunity to check it out free for a week and then sign up and be a part of our community. Arn, thank you so much for doing this again with me this week. Thank you, buddy. We had a great time, huh? Yeah, an another fantastic time. Appreciate it all. And on behalf of the Enforcer, that's right, the man that you can see on AEW Rampage and Dynamite, he's with Wardlow. He is Arn Anderson. This is Paul Bromwell. And we'll see you right back here next time on Arn. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, 
It's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on, right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra five to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.